0: Praise God. Well, you have me, me again tonight. Um, before I begin, I just uh, would like to ask Brother Jonathan to come up. Um, I've asked him to testify as, uh, as a disciple maker. So, Brother Jonathan, come up.
1: Praise the Lord, Church. All right. I'll try not to be too long for the entree. I'm sure everybody's uh, excited for the main course. Um, but Brother Owen has uh, asked me to testify um, on my journey to God and being involved in the Kingdom of God and how it is a great privilege. And uh, two months from now, it would have been, it would be, it will be ten years for me since I came to this church. Uh, during my journey coming to God. Um, On the journey of truth, I was 16 years old. I was lost, confused with everything that I was seeing in the world and trying to find an answer, a solution, a compass, a balance point for what I was going through and processing. So I went on a journey of trial and error, trying to find something that would make sense for the questions that I had. And God, in his kindness and mercy, he placed people in my life that have led me and brought me to this point today. And one of those important people were, was uh, Brother Peter, or Smokey we used to call him. Um, he was like an older brother to us boys as we came through the church, as, we came, as God led us to this church. He took us under his wings and he taught us Bible studies. He modeled what it's like to be uh, a man of God. Uh, and his influence and his discipleship extended beyond just Bible studies on a Monday nights, um, But he made time for, to be part of our lives part of my life, from late night Matthew's yawns to road trips, from dinners to answering late night calls when we're having a meltdown or something's going on and it was amazing that he would you know, come at 10pm because something is going on and he would leave his house and he would come just to have a chat and console one of us and that was really, made an impact. His influence in his love for God and his heart for souls impacted me in a way I couldn't see yet. I remember one night we were sitting in the kitchen there as we were having a Bible study and he looked at me and the boys and he said one of these days you guys are going to be sitting at this end of the table teaching Bible studies. And we looked back at him and we laughed at him. And we strutted off. We're like, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Um, But down the road his words came true. As the Lord dealt with me and he put a burden on my heart to be involved in his kingdom to see souls saved i started to pray and fast and ask the lord to put people on my path that i could impact with the gospel and uh my the first person i got to witness to was my friend william as most of you know him as brother william um so i did all the horrible mistakes with him so but was good training ground i uh, started bible studies and had the opportunity to minister to others along the way as the lord brought people into my lives and uh one of those people were the more family And it was a privilege and an honor to be able to serve um, and teach them Bible studies. Uh, I made myself available to be part of their lives, as Brother Peter molded that that for me, to generally get to know them, as they were new to Australia, uh, with the little that I could help them to get around Perth, get to know places, picking them up for church, and whatever I could do, I was happy to help. And uh, through that, the Lord opened a door to have Bible studies. And for the course of three years, I don't know it would take that long, (laughs) but we're teaching Bible studies for nearly three years. And it was an honor to be part of their journey to come to know God more perfectly. And it's been a life-changing experience uh, for me personally, as I fell in love with teaching Bible studies and helping people to know God for themselves. There are priceless moments where you get to experience that can only happen when you You're going through discipling people. The light bulbs moment when something finally clicks in the word. Um, When tears are streaming down their faces as God moves in those Bible study mightily. The moment they decide to get baptized, when you pray with them to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can't get those experiences from nowhere else by being part of what God is doing. And uh, it's an honor and a privilege that can only happen through answering the call of God. And I can go on all night testifying, but I do want to leave you guys with this one scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 9. Uh, this is Paul speaking, and he said, I have planted a polis watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, your God's husbandry, your God's building. It's an honor and a privilege that God would call us or call me, for a matter of fact, to be able to serve alongside Him in His kingdom and get to experience lives transformed. And I thank God for that, and I look forward to the many lives that I'll be a part of as they are transformed by the power of God.
0: Praise God. You know, I love to hear these, uh, these testimonies and I've asked um, people to, to testify at the start of each, each of these lessons because I want the church to actually see that I'm not making this stuff up. It's not, this is Rowan's opinion, turn to Rowan's Bible and turn to this chapter. I'm not making these things up. These are real people who have been impacted by the true power of the living God. Amen? And we can see that disciples are making disciples who are then making disciples. Amen? Praise God. Well, um, I just want to thank Pastor and I want to thank the church again for this opportunity to, to minister in part two of this series. Um, I enjoyed the last uh, lesson. <laughs> I, I, You probably noticed that I have a bit of a passion for this and um, I hope that that passion was imparted upon you i hope that there was some revelation that you received um i hope there was a fire a a burden a really deep desire in your soul to become a disciple maker and if not i've got today and i've got next week god willing and god will get you there amen so before i go any further i'll just start with a word of prayer hallelujah lord jesus we thank you We thank you for your kindness, your grace, and your mercy in our lives. We thank you that we can be found in your presence, in your house this evening. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to each of us this evening, Lord Jesus, by the power of your word, Lord Jesus, that it would, Lord Jesus, bear fruit for you. And we would see that fruit grow, Lord Jesus, through this year. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said last week, I expect that God is going to speak to you specifically. And when he speaks, there is an expectation of action. That is faith. That is true faith. Faith without works is dead. And so the conclusion of next week will involve a call to action. And it will involve you, um, I'm not going to force you, but it will involve you to um, make a few choices and decisions. Um, I believe, like I said last week, that Jesus wants this church, Northside Pentecostal Church, to have an infectious Disciple-making culture—that everybody has this um, infectious disciple-making culture. We covered last week on the value of make a couple of weeks ago the value of making disciples. So the mission of the Church International the whole is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church, and the vision that many of you got, many of you know, is of our church is to go make disciples. Um, and this vision is rooted in a scripture. Matthew 28:19 says, "Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So making disciples can't be reserved to the ministry. you can't outsource it. Making disciples is a personal responsibility of all of us. Point to yourself and say it's my responsibility it is it's my responsibility if you remember anything from these lessons take that home it's your responsibility it's my responsibility we talked about the conversion of Saul and the call that god made to ananias to reach out to Saul in acts chapter 9 verse 10 and a certain and there was a certain disciple at damascus named ananias and to him said the lord in a vision ananias and he said behold I am here, Lord, certain disciple at Damascus. So there was a certain disciple, that one-of-a-kind, that unique. There may have been more other qualified disciples. God didn't place Peter, John, or James, or any of the other 12 disciples in Damascus. That was Ananias' role. Just like Ananias, you are unique. You are one-of-a-kind. You are a particular person with a set of talents, time, and treasure that God can use. Your life stage, whether you're married, if you're single, your age, your nationality, your culture, your personality, your faith, your life circumstances, your life journey, your experiences, your walk with Jesus, those unique things about you, God will use you. There was a certain disciple, and you are that certain disciple today. Something I also wanted to emphasize, which I didn't cover last week, but before we get into the, the meat of today's lesson, is who we are called to disciple. Church, we are called to disciple, make disciples of all the nations. This is specifically mentioned in Matthew 28, 9, 19. We need to make disciples of our neighbors and those specific people that God has placed in our life. But I want to call parents out specifically you are called to disciple your children. I remember um, pastor preaching this last year, and he was preaching on matthew twenty eight nineteen and I never thought of that scripture in the context of making a disciple, but parents, it is our responsibility. it is our role to disciple our children. if you don't do it, then who will? we can 't outsource discipling our children to universities or schools, workplaces child cares to the children's ministry to the pastor we must make disciples of our children. Matthew 19 13 and 14 says then there were brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray and the disciples rebuked them but Jesus said suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven Jesus wants us to bring our children to him, to bring them to church, to bring them to him in prayer and devotions and teaching them. If we don't do it, then who will do that? Emmanuel, is God with us? And is he with us in our homes? Or are we very busy with everything else in life? Parents, we are responsible. We are responsible for discipling our children. All of us, all of us are called to take up our cross a person, a child, a neighbor, to sacrifice our lives daily to make disciples, to sell all that we have, to acquire those pearls of great price for him. So that was a little summary of what we covered last week. And today, today I would like to cover four principles of disciple making. Now there's probably hundreds of principles that we could go through, but four major ones that I I would like to cover today. Um, and these are revelations i 'm sure will change your way of understanding what it means to make a disciple as it has mine. I want to challenge you and I want to challenge you to think see when we read matthew twenty eight nineteen we have some preconceived ideas of what Jesus meant by this command, and tonight, I hope to shed some light and principles of what Jesus meant to make disciples and just a little disclaimer that I borrowed uh, some inspiration and teaching from Pastor Stan Gleason's book, Follow to Lead. Um, it was, it's been a really rich resource for me in un- understanding um, what it means to make disciples, and I encourage you all to read it. So the first principle, the direction, the direction of Jesus' command was go, not come. Tell your neighbor, go. Jesus said, Go. Yeah don't no don't go anywhere stay. Here. <laughs> um Jesus said go make disciples. He didn't say come into a church. You've made you may have heard the saying church is not a building. It's the people. And this is true. The very meaning of church is in the Greek is ecclesia, which means body of called out people. People, that's you and me. It's not this building. And this was a simple but profound revelation to me that the direction that Jesus' command was not to come into the church, but it was to go take church to the people. And I submit to you that our enemy doesn't fear us when we just come to church into this building just week in and week out. Millions of people just come into churches that follow a religion, but he is afraid when we go, when we go and take The church to the lost, beyond this building, beyond these walls. For far too long, our minds are just restricted to these walls. We say, you know, we know it theologically, like the church is not a building, it's a people. But the comprehension of what that really means the veil is torn. Jesus is no longer in the temple, He's no longer in the Ark of the Covenant. He lives in you and me. And we are the church. And we find ourselves putting him back in the box, in this church, within these walls, on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, thinking this is the church. But we are the church. We gather together and have church. It's the people. I love the quote from um, Pastor Stan Gleason in his book. He says, "Um, there is a saying, if you love your job, you never have to go to work a day in your life. And if you love to make disciples, you'll never have to go to church a day in your life because you bring church with you wherever you go. And you might be thinking, oh, Brother Rogan, you know, we have a massive building fund. We're planning on building a bigger church. And this is true. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not against coming to church. It's critical that we come here and we're found in the house of the Lord. But today we have the best of both worlds. We have public worship in a church and we have church in our homes it's not a competition but there's it's complementary it's not one or the, not, the other we need both we have public worship in church just like Jesus and the disciples they went into the temple and this was the best pla- this is the best place for direction the best place for inspiration for vision for resources it builds our faith to see other believers but the best place to make disciples is on a, relational, on a relational and a fellowship level, is in a private setting, in a house. And we see this, Jesus did this many times, one-on-one or just a few people. In such a setting, there is comfort, there is intimacy, there is a forum to be able to ask questions and really build strong relationships with people. These are both important and they serve supporting purposes. See, the early church, the early church was much more relational and less institutional. There was a rabbi-follower um, relationship, or in the modern day, it's a mentor-mentee relationship. What do I mean by that, more relational and less institutional? For the early church, church was not where you went on a Sunday. It wasn't a location. Church was the relationships with people making Disciples. We pride ourselves in following the early church examples of holiness, salvation, the Apostles' Doctrine, but not so much in the example of making disciples. Being a disciple in the early church was being a disciple maker. It wasn't about the ministries or the buildings or the programs and all these things that we wrap up as the institution in the 21st century church. These ministries, these buildings, these programs, they're tools to reach the lost, but they are not the church. They are not the goal. To quote from Stan Gleeson again, I should just play him for most of this. Um, Too much ministry is done by the church for the church. We continually carry the water to the river instead of to the desert. Does that make sense? Too much ministry is done by the church for the church. We continually carry water from the river instead of to the desert. Most of the work should happen beyond these walls. The first significant Christian building was only built in the third century. We shouldn't think of, I went to church, but we are the church. Church is not a destination, but it's a journey. What happens on Monday to Saturday is more important than what happens on Sunday. Sunday cannot be a motivational rally to prop us up and get us through another week. The Lord added in Act, daily in Acts because the church of Acts was a daily church a daily church hope i'm beginning to um open up your mind and change your mindset and communicate what church really is and i want to challenge our thinking and my thinking because god's challenging me so i'm just pushing that challenge back out to you you read through the book of acts we see the growth of the early church 120 in the upper room in Acts chapter two, 3,000 in Acts chapter four, 5,000 in Acts chapter nine, and sorry, in Acts chapter four there was 5,000. And Acts chapter nine we see the church, the Bible just says it multiplied because they just lost count. There's there's just so many people growing, and how did this church grow so quickly? How did it grow? Born-again believers were aggressively involved in the process of making disciples. Personal disciple-making was the model Jesus gave his disciples. It was the model that Jesus gave his disciples to reach the world. It's not following just to follow. But Jesus' plan was then for them to follow for now, but then to lead. Jesus placed a demand He placed a demand and a requirement that it it wasn't optional on his disciples to make disciples. Who told you or me? Where did did we get the idea that we're just not good enough? You know, I don't have the knowledge or the experience or the skills, the years or the scriptures or the education. And, you know, Brother Jonathan was with Brother Peter and they all laughed when Brother Peter told him, you know, this is what you're going to be doing. But this is what you are all going to be doing. I hear some laughs. laughs. Jesus was with his disciples for three and a half years, and many of you have been in a relationship with Jesus for longer than that. Remember, the direction of the command is to go. Go, take Jesus with you. Be the church as you make disciples. Now I have a challenging question, and I want you to think about it is the end goal of making disciples, getting people to come to church. I submit to you that it is not. Don't burn me at the stake or call me a heretic. But bringing people to church is a tool. It is a tool that helps us to disciple them, but it is not the goal. And I have this mindset, and perhaps you do too, that you know that's the goal. In the back of my mind, when I talk to people or um, a witness, I have a mindset that you know I need to bring them to church. If they could just come to church and hear the pastor preach an inspiring message, they will be convicted. They will turn to Jesus and get baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. If they could just come to church, then God will speak to them. If they could just come to church, then the ministers can pray for them and they'll be healed. It's, if they could come to church, and it's true, and very often this is what happens because God shows up in our church. Because the church is a tool that God uses to accomplish his will in people's lives. But there is a mindset I want to challenge and a culture I want to challenge. Do you know what we're doing here, what I'm doing here, whether intentionally or unintentionally, is I'm outsourcing making disciples. I'm not saying we shouldn't invite people to church. Definitely not. Invite people to church. I'm not saying we don't need a pastor or ministry. We need a pastor. We need pastor. We must be in submission to pastor, and um, we have to obey his authority and submit to him and cooperate with him. But I want to challenge you to change your change your perspective about making disciples. The mindset it's to get them to come here. Our goal, our goal, is for them, for the lost, to know Jesus, and for their lives to be changed, and for them to be saved that they would be turned into the likeness of Jesus so that they will go and make disciples. You are the church and the command is go. You go. You take the church to them. Don't outsource it. We must be a daily church. You pray for them. You teach them. You heal them. Jesus delegated his power and authority to the pastors. No, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus delegated his power and authority to the ministers, the licensed ministers. No. He delegated his authority and power to the building. No. It's you. It's me. It's the people. It's the church. We are the church. Church, the goal is not about filling these seats on a Sunday morning. We want to see lives changed. We want to see people saved, transformed into the likeness of Jesus. That is what we want to see. That can and must happen on Monday through to Saturdays, not just on the Sunday. And they will come, and these seats will be filled, but only when we first go make disciples. And this church filling up will simply be a result of what happens when we all become disciple-makers. What we need to focus on is the reproduction of fruit outside these four walls, in our homes, in our communities, in our families, in our children, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our city. Go. It is a command from Jesus to invest in people. That's who he cared about, people. He walked, he talked, he ate, he taught with people. Go, go make disciples. His kingdom is not of this world, it is an eternal kingdom. Go and make disciples. Does he find us teaching and investing in disciples? Does he find us going, or are we simply coming to church? This brings me to the second principle disciple making, it is a sign of a mature believer. It is an indicator of our growth as a Christian. Hebrews uh, chapter five says, verse twelve says, "You have been believers so long, so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, like the base again, like the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk, and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is an infant." And doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Teaching, it, it simply means to disciple. The writer of Hebrews is saying that we ought to be teaching others. And we ought to be discipling others. It is a sign of our maturity. And it's, it's really amazing when you teach others, you learn new things. You get a deeper understanding and revelations. And that's actually (laughs) when you learn and you grow. I remember teaching a Bible study uh, with Brother Chris. And there's times where um, I would prepare for it and I'd be reading things. And this is, you know, Christian 101 type stuff. But I'm reading it and thinking, that's amazing. I didn't realise that. There's one thing I... I was reading through, and um, I had this revelation that I'm a sinner, but I wasn't just a sinner. I was an enemy to God, and that made me just, that blew my mind. And I thought, I was an enemy to God, and yet he hung on the cross for my sins. That just, and we were sitting there, Chris, and um, you probably didn't realize, but I was like, this is Amazing, that that that, uh, I think about if I have an enemy, am I going to die for them? <laughs> you know, and I was an enemy to him, and he died for me. And that was just amazing. It was a revelation. And this is what happens when you, Brother Jonathan, te- just testified earlier about the growth that you see, about the revelations that you get. And as believers, we must reproduce. We must bear fruit. Our fruitfulness is. Not just what we do in, here in church. It's not just a godly character trait, the fruit of the Spirit or the gift of the Spirit. But I submit to you it is more than that. Fruitfulness is making disciples. John fifteen eight said, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. When is an apple tree fruitful? When it gives shade? When it, the leaves grow or the branches grow? no when it reproduces itself. It's our ability to reproduce after our own kind. To make disciples, that is fruitfulness. And that is what glorifies God. When Jesus said, follow me, what was he saying? He was saying, do what I do. Say what I say, act like I act, treat others like I treat others. There was an invitation to imitation. Let me say that again. There was an invitation to imitation. Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. He was saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We need to reproduce disciples. Christian means being Christ-like. A big part of being Christ-like is the reproduction of disciples because that's what Christ did. That is what he modeled. Our third principle Making disciples fulfills God's purpose for your life. It's really sad to see the state of the world today. You hear the rates of suicide rising, particularly around in young people. We have the curses of addictions in drugs and alcohol, pornography. People have lost a sense of purpose, and they look for purpose in self. This is my identity. This is my money. These are my possessions. This is my life. And the answer the world gives um, is look look into your heart, follow your heart. I remember in high school, our last year of high school, we would all have a book and you'd just hand your book around to people and they would all write in your book. And it, it's meant to be like an inspiring saying or something that, you know, you can take back and read and be like, oh, yeah, this feels so good and they have quotes like, dance like nobody's watching, love like you've never been hurt, sing it like nobody's listening, live like it's heaven and earth. I wrote, remember writing, follow your future. Like, what else are you going to follow? What? <laughs> it sounds nice. You know, follow your heart. That's, that's a really um, one that everyone uses all the time. But the Word of God tells us our, our heart is, is desperately wicked. <laughs> it's probably the worst advice you could give someone. Um, but even in Christianity today, we see the promotion of self. You know, what you can get out of God, the blessings, the prosperity, the healings. There's, the focus is on self. The focus on your sicknesses, your finances, your problems, your issues. It's about us. And no doubt we need help. We need help from God. For the issues of life. We need him. But the word of God warns us not to look to self. To find meaning and purpose. But our meaning and purpose is found in Jesus. It is found in the command that He's given us. And how we must live our life. His words are the words that bring life. That bring meaning. And fulfill our purpose. But when our focus is on self. And not the mission of the lost. We are disobeying the command. We're missing the point. The purpose of the church is to go make disciples. And when we obey that command, it fulfills the sense of purpose God has placed in your life. Because the command goes beyond ourselves. It is a purpose that is bigger than ourselves. It is investing in an eternal kingdom. I spoke last week about the conviction that God has placed on my heart. And what I speak today and through this series is just not directed at you, but I speak to myself. I've been going to church a long time. A seasoned saint, if you want to call it that. But for too long, I have been under-prioritizing the Great Commission. This mission that our Master, that our Saviour, our General the one, he, that thing that he gave us, those last words that he spoke here on earth, they mean so much. Because it was the reason for Calvary that people would be saved and they would stay saved. As the founder of the church, he purchased with his blood. Discipleship is the specific method that Jesus modeled and commanded us to be responsible for. He could have said, you know, go win souls, but that's not what he said. When you win a soul, once you've won the soul, that's when it ends. Discipleship is more than just winning souls. It doesn't end with someone receiving the Holy Spirit. It doesn't end with people being baptized. A lot of times that's where it really begins. We live in a broken culture, in a society where people don't believe in God. Husbands, they don't know how to love their wives. Wives don't know how to respect their husbands. Children don't honor parents. Men are women. Women are men. Marriages are being redefined. Good is evil. Evil is good. A broken world of sin, of addictions, where men are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. People don't know how to live a holy life. They don't know the truth. They don't know the word of God. They have lost a sense of purpose. They need a light. They need salt. They need an Ananias. And what good is that light if you hide it? Just like Ananias, there was a certain man and a woman here. There is a certain man and a woman here with a purpose, with a mission to make disciples, to reach that lost husband, wife, child, mother, father, friend. A purpose that is bigger than yourself. None of us get a pass. None of us do. When you stand before the judgment seat, you can't say, Oh, Jesus, I was just—I was so busy with my job. I was just really busy with my kids, the kids that you gave me. I was saving for retirement. I was really busy doing stuff in church. I, I didn't have the time to make disciples. That, I don't want to be in front of Jesus saying that. Am I saying that we neglect our family, our wives, and our kids, and our jobs? No, no. But what I'm saying, it's a, it has to be a priority in our lives. Because making disciples fulfills God's purpose in your life, it is a purpose beyond yourself. And that leads me to my last principle how? How do we make it a priority? So the last principle, making disciples, is not what we do. It's who we are. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus not only gave us the mission, but the method in this one verse. When you read that and the scripture up there, um, the literal rendering in Matthew um, 2819 is as you go as you go make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit as you go in your everyday life make disciples it's it's not about being some super disciple making machine where you go for prayer on a Monday night teaching Bible study on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Wednesdays outreach on a Thursday evangelist service on a Friday night like It's not a program. It's not an activity that you can come to me and say, sign up for. Jesus is saying, as you go in your life, make disciples. Making disciples, it's not what we do. It's who we are as we go about our life. As a daily church, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, every day, it's who we are. It's investments in relationships every day. What I'm saying is that disciple-making must be the very culture of our church, that it runs through our veins. If you cut us, we bleed disciple-makers. I like this one. If we're infected, it's like we're infected with a disciple-making virus, and we want to infect everybody else. It's who we are. We, we want everyone to, to have it. That we open our house to someone for a meal so that they can become a part of our lives. We can be given to hospitality, get involved in people's lives, visit, sit, pray with neighbours, call, text, connect, build relationships, serving others, living our lives intentionally with the disciple maker's vision and heart. Maybe you currently purchase a coffee every day, but with the intention of a disciple maker, you look for a connection to m- start a conversation. Maybe you currently put your ch- just put your children to sleep, but with the intention of a disciple maker, you teach them the golden rule. Maybe you currently sit here for church, but with the intention of a disciple maker, maybe you sit there. Maybe for dinner tomorrow night, you. You make dinner tomorrow night, you make a double lot because your neighbor um, just had a baby. These are not life-changing, mind-blowing, impossible things. God is not saying sell everything you have and go to to Africa and start a church in the Kalahari Desert. Like, he might. (laughs) But what he is saying in this verse is as you go in your life, it's who you are. Whether you're in Africa, in the Kalahari Desert, or you're here in Perth, Western Australia, make a disciple. It's a part of your life. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. There was purpose, there was intent in his actions. He didn't have to go through Samaria, but there was a need, there was an opportunity that he had in Samaria. It's a part of our life. It's as we live our daily life. Luke 9.23 says, And he said to them all, If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It's something that we just do every every day. Making friendships, hanging out with people, building relationships inside of church, outside of church, in work, in our families. 80% of people who convert are influenced by a family member or a friend. 80%. Less than 3% are by a stranger. Making disciples is about relationships. It's a simple method that Jesus used to make disciples. Who here has made a friend in their life? Can you? Yeah, yeah? One friend maybe. You just need one and you can still put your hand up. Jesus' method of making disciples was to engage with sinners and turn them into friends. And many of his friends eventually became disciples. It's quite simple. Jesus was invested in relationships with people. He wasn't trying to build a massive church, a building. It was the people. If I could just ask a musician to come up. Don't just invite people to church. Let's bring church to them. We're not just going to church. We are the church. I said earlier that the direction, the direction of the Great Commission is not to come, but it's to go. You, you bring the power of the church with you. It's in you. Jesus is in you. Ministry can be a number of things, the things we do in church when we're serving God. But your purpose, your purpose, that will never change. Your purpose, and my purpose, is to make disciples as we go in our life. Let's just stand at this time. Remember, as you go, as you go in your life, make disciples. You don't have to wait to the conclusion of next week's message to, to do that. You can start today. Pray for opportunities to go make disciples. There's a spirit of expectancy And I know that God is moving in people's lives. I've talked to a few people and I can see that there have been opportunities that God has placed in in some people, opportunities to make disciples. And there's a shift and the enemy, he is afraid because we are going to take what's in here out there. Amen. Let's take it to our families, parents. Let's take it to our communities. Let's take it to our workplaces. Let's take the good news, the gospel, outside these walls to everyone out there. Let them know there is a God that loves them. There is a God that cares for them. There is a God that has a purpose in their lives, Beyond themselves, the direction of the command was go. God is going to do a wonderful work. These altars, I would like to open these altars. If you perhaps have someone on your heart that you want to bring to the Lord, now is the opportunity that you can do that. Tonight, you can pray for someone. You can pray, God, give me a passion, a desire to reach someone, to make a disciple, to take what you have given me and give it to others. Hallelujah, Jesus.